Hi, this is Tony Lloyd. Interviewing people for many years has made me realise that everyone has a life story to tell. Be they sad, amazing or even inspirational, I want to bring as many human stories to you as I can in this series of podcasts. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd. Tess Quinn Lawton, welcome to Human Stories. Hi, Tony. Lovely to be here. And um, I know you've got a, a fascinating story. You've pro- actually, you're probably being a vicar in, in the community, you've probably got lots of fascinating stories and most of them you can't tell me about. I think that's probably true, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we were chatting a bit earlier on and you're, you're in a delightful um, parish in the, the English countryside. That's right, yes. I'm in uh, West Oxfordshire in the Cotswolds. Um, and uh, my parish is a teeny tiny hamlet, really, of 120 souls. Um, well, 120 houses. Uh, so that's that's more souls than houses. Yeah. Um, and uh, some medieval artwork on the walls of the building as well, which is rather groovy. So oh. more people go there than should do, really. So um, one could cautiously call you the real life vicar of Dibley. One, one could cautiously call me that. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. I want to hear all about your committee meetings now. <laughs> oh, well, yes. <laughs> okay. So um, uh, I know you're, you're busy and we'll talk about what, what uh, you do um, as a vicar in a minute. If, but I want to find out what made you do it and when in the first place. What... what um, uh, caused you or what inspired you to go into the church? Good question. Good question. I, um, it's quite hard actually trying to kind of trace back one's vocation. Um, there are people in the religious life who have a moment of conversion that it just, uh, everything changes at that moment and they can hang on to uh, a particular date and often time, um, for that, which is not something, um, that was true for me because I think I was just brought up in it um, and and it made sense to me always. Um, I worshipped when I was very small uh, in a place called the Cowley Fathers in Oxford um, and that was full of plain song, plain chant and uh, incense and my memories of it are just kind of uh, um, safe darkness and incredible smells and sounds. Um, so very uh, kinesthetic, I think, um, in that respect. And then we we moved to Salisbury um, and my mother and grandmother, um, I was brought up by a single mum, and they they took me to Salisbury Cathedral. Um, and again, you know, it was the aesthetic beauty of the place that, that made the biggest impact. I was only, I was nine years old uh, at the time. Um, and by the time I was 10 and had been worshipping there for a year, um, I was just convinced that that was what I was going to do. Those those blokes in those long, attractive dresses, <laughs> that was going to be me one day. Um, and, and the irony is that, of course, at that stage, um, women weren't actually allowed into the priesthood at all. Uh, so, so I had absolutely no sense of my gender being a barrier, um, and bless them, neither did the the priests who uh, were part of that setup at Salisbury, and they allowed me to do things like being an acolyte, carrying the candle, um, and reading in their huge carol services and that kind of thing. So they were really kind about 
helping me to kind of pursue that vocation. So could you say that you were part of um, the pioneers, for want of a better word, uh, to get women uh, ordained in the church? I was I was certainly amongst the first um, group of women who were ordained to the priesthood. Yes, um, uh, the I mean I was taught at school by a, a woman um, called Sue Wilkins, who was a deaconess, which was what they kind of did. You know, the whole process took a very very long time in the church. Everything time in the church uh, because we have the backdrop of eternity so you know inevitably uh 20 odd years is just a drop in the ocean uh, but of course it's not a drop in in your own life um if you've been waiting for that mm. so so there was a group of women ahead of me um older women who'd been waiting a long time for it why do you think that uh, you wanted to be a vicar That's a great question. Um, and I'm now going to take up your, your radio with a certain amount of silence while I mull that one over. That's fine. Um, we can come back I, to it. Yeah, I, I think it's it's to do with having just a really strong sense that that's what God has called me to be. So if if every one of us has a, a vocation, you know, a way of doing something that when we're doing it it just kind of fits and we feel yeah this is this is who we are this is what we're called to be mm. um newman called it being called for some definite purpose um and that sense of purpose is hugely important i think so um, is it every- is it all about um spreading the word uh, of god or is it about helping people or what what would you say is the main reason why you're in the church i like um I, I i really really like being in the parish i like talking to little old ladies um i love hearing their stories um so i'm a people person um in that respect um and and i just find i find people fascinating and being able to offer help in times of particular times of need I suppose I mean obviously you know funerals and that kind of thing are times of of distress um but also at at stages like weddings and baptisms you know it's particular times of people's lives uh when when they need to make sense of stuff um so it's it's about people and I also do love preaching that's probably in terms of you know everybody having their own uh gifts or things that they're they bring to the party um and yeah, I suppose I bring preaching to the party. <laughs> do you think anybody could do it? What, preaching? Yeah. Or being, uh, a, being a vicar? Oh, being a vicar. Being a vicar. Um, well, yes, theoretically, because, you know, God calls us all. So, yes. Okay, good answer. Thank you, God. <laughs> He's got a lot to answer for. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, what advice would you give to other people who who may be thinking about it and then they're not really decided? And, and if they're not really decided, is is that a sign? It's about it's about relationship ultimately. So that's if they're not really decided, it's a bit like people who are on the uh, brink of marriage, um, and it's a, a similar kind of thing. So I would give the same advice that I do to uh, the couples that I prepare for marriage. Um, which is that if you 
it's, it's about faith and it's about trust um, and taking that leap and just once you've taken that leap seeing how things flourish afterwards really um, so if it's something that you are thinking about then I would strongly recommend going and talking to your local priest um, and then finding out from them who the vocations advisor is and then you just kind of get plugged into a, a system really um, so it's about finding the people to talk to, but start with your priest. And then presumably you have to go to college to study. Yeah, well, there is that, isn't there? <laughs> um, I did a degree in theology, so so I was kind of, you know, heading in the right direction already. Um, but yes, you do, you do need to do a fair amount of study. Um, but I've also, one of the other um, hats that I wear is that I, um, one of the bishop's advisors for selecting people for the priesthood um, and some of the most exciting and fascinating people who've come through our doors recently have come with you know dropped out of school for a number of awful reasons very often uh, before even taking GCSEs or O levels so so I would encourage anybody to to go for it and not be put off by the study side of it but yes there is you do you do have to know your stuff I suppose if you enjoy what you're doing, then, you know, the studying is academic. Well, no, not the right <laughs> word, is it? Not, or <laughs> not, is the point. So, it's interesting. It's interesting, and but, that's the point. And, that's a and Tony Lloyd so, joke. That's terrible. Sorry about that one. <laughs> the church is good enough to, um, you know, to, to recognise that not everybody has has the kind of the academic skills or interest really to go on and do it um, to that kind of level. Um, so it, it's there to help people, whether they're dyslexic or not, or, you know, just dropped out early from school and have no confidence. Mm, understand. Um, so you're very busy. You were telling me a bit earlier um, when we last spoke that um, you're, you, you're sort of on a rotor system because... These days, quite often, there's uh, too many churches and not enough vicars. Is that right? Yeah, well, that's. I think that's true for for all vicars. Actually, it's a bit like doctors um, and the need for locum doctors and stuff as well. Um, so yes, uh, there are there are lots of churches that are um, in need of somebody on a Sunday, um, and who because a lot of churches are gathered together into what are called benefices, where you get kind of between five and up to about 12 churches all in the same benefice with one vicar, which is obviously no good to anybody. Um, and so, yes, one of the things that I do is is act as a locum, as it were, um, and go and help out in other churches. So when you do that, you can't really have a proper relationship with all the parishioners at all the different churches, or can you? Um, what tends to happen is that there are certain, um, it's like retired priests. They re the retired priests, they, they never retire. Um, um, and they will often end up um, going into their local church and perhaps one other. Um, and they often are able to then build up some kind of relationship. Um, and it's not, I'm not going into millions of churches. So, you know, you can, there are certain people that you will get to know. And also if people like you and you're the person that they want to reach out to, then that's what they will do. And they will contact you later for, for pastoral stuff if they need to. Have you got any funny stories of things that have happened in your time as a vicar? Oh, don't put me on the spot like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably because you've got so many, I should imagine. You know, which one should you tell me about? Well, I think I think that's that is probably true. You'll have to you'll have to come back to me on that one. Um, I'm still thinking about the Vicar of Dibley, you see, I'm sorry. <laughs> so 
yes, well, exactly. And, and all of those PCC meetings um, uh-huh. yes. and that kind of thing. Yeah. No, I mean, my PCC meetings and my deanery synod meetings are, are very, very similar to that in many respects. And have you got anybody that goes, no, 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 yes. <laughs> um, yes, I think that's bad. I <laughs> can say that I do have people who are not dissimilar <laughs> at all. <laughs> It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's all about finding God in the midst of it is the point. Well, yeah, that's that's the main thing. And of course, you know, I'm a people person, obviously, as well, because of what I do. And um, but in a non-theological sense, (laughs) far from it. But um, yeah, that's what's so fascinating about life, isn't it? Everybody's so different. um, And thank heavens they're all different. Yeah, exactly. And everybody has a story to tell, actually, which is, is what wow. you're doing uh, with this podcast as well. And that's and people are just interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, thinking about somebody maybe listening to this who uh, has never been to church and, you know, has never been brought up that way and so on, what would you say to encourage them to go? Because I presume... Well, two things. One is that um, congregations are shrinking, are they not? And so how would you, uh, what would you say to people to encourage them to to attend church, to go to church? And if uh, somebody has um, no problems with their lives and what have you, what would you say to those people? Many questions in that one question there. So let, let me try and unpick it. In terms of people who haven't uh, gone to church and might be interested in what it's about or stepping over that threshold. Um, I would say, and it's it's tricky in the time of COVID because we, we have issues with being able to keep our church buildings open. Um, but in normal times and perhaps locally where you are, uh, if you're lucky, I would just go into the church building to start with um, and familiarise yourself with uh, an incredible and beautiful environment. Um, there is something about a church building where people have prayed and those walls are kind of soaked in people's prayers and their life stories um, for hundreds and hundreds of years usually. So so go into your uh, local church building to start with and see what it feels like um, and just take some time out really. I, I'm a massive fan, obviously, <laughs> a massive fan of... Um, of going into churches and of praying, um, as you would expect me to say, but but in this time as well, particularly um, the the comfort and the peace and the calm that you can get uh, from being in a church building and in a church service. Um, we're not allowed to sing at the moment, which is driving everybody mad. I mean, what a miserable thing is that. Mm. Um, but choirs can sing, and there are quite a lot of uh, churches where you've got choirs back and singing, and it's beautiful. It is, it's balm for the soul. So, so you don't. I, a lot of people tend to feel that they can't possibly step over the threshold of a church um, because because there's a whole tick list of things that they don't believe or that uh, God is judging them for. Um, so you need to get rid of that. You need to, to screw up the bit of paper that's got your tick list on uh, and put it in the bin. And you need to get rid of your preconceptions about God, because actually God is the source and, and fount of all love rather than judgment. So, so that's what I would say. 
that's one bit of your question. I can't remember the rest. <laughs> well, it's all about getting people to come to church, really. I mean, people you know, people have never been to church or people that have got a problem in their lives and may seek solace or help. Mm, mm. Well, and and I would say go. There's a, Churches have... Um, they have a wonderful, funny community. I mean, you <laughs> alluded to it already with the Vicar of Dibley. Um, but there is, there is something glorious about a church community because they, you know, people come in all shapes and sizes. And uh, and the reason that they want to be there is that they are there to celebrate something other than themselves. And in this day and age, which is a pretty selfish one, that's, that's a good kind of community to belong to. Um, and yeah, and I would I would recommend being part of that. And with kids, I think... This, this is me sounding preachy now. Sorry, but it's you've asked the vicar on that. This is you've asked the question. <laughs> but if you kids, it it gives kids the opportunity to learn fundamental moral values that you would hope they might teach in school, but they might not. Um, and so going going to church and being part of that sort of funny spud community uh, and learning that the greatest commandment is to love your neighbour as yourself. Um, that's that's not a bad thing to learn about. That's good. Have you thought any funny stories yet? No. <laughs> I've got I've got loads because I was brought up in the Church of England as well as a young yeah. as a young lad as I went to church every Sunday. And I think probably the funniest thing that I can remember straight off is um there was a, a deaf lady who used to <laughs> she refused to sit in the front. This was before sound systems and hearing loop systems and everything else. Yeah. Um, and she sat sort of halfway back of the church, and bless her, she was totally deaf, but but sang um, the, the hymns. Um, but 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 she used to get out of sync, so she 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 sang the hymn from the words out of the hymn book uh, with everybody else around her singing, um, and then everybody would finish singing the hymn, and the organist would stop playing, and she would carry on. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> See, you've just given me the illustration I needed for my previous comment. That's perfect. I was um, I was a school chaplain for um, ten years actually, uh, and and one of I mean one in that respect funny story. I didn't find it funny as you can imagine uh, was that the organists would try. So I would stand up in front of a school of eight hundred boys, um, and um, and the organist would be there doing his thing. And he was one of the students. Um, and his his greatest pleasure was to try and get a, about two or three notes of a tune that would then become so, was so familiar to people that you would instantly know what it was and know that it wasn't the hymn. So in particular, I'm thinking sort of Harry Potter, you know, do, 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 just, just that. And that's enough to, for everybody in front of me to, to lose it completely. And trying to keep control of 800 boys from the front was hard work. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Fantastic. Thank you for that, uh, Tess. I've I've run out of questions. Actually, I didn't have any questions because <laughs> it's just a chat on human stories, and um, you've been enlightening. Thank you very much. It's fascinating, and uh, maybe you'll come back on human stories again if you think of any more. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. <laughs> it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much, Tess, for talking to us on human stories. Thanks so much. Human Stories is a free podcast with no fees paid to contributors in the hope that they'll somehow inspire and help other people. Get in touch if you've got a story to tell. 
If you or your organisation would like a professional podcast series to get your message across, contact me to chat about the very reasonable costs involved. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd.